Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about why people are leaving the Catholic Church. That's right. We're going to look at the statistics. We're going to look at the reasons people are giving. And we're going to look at the issues that are causing massive amounts of people to leave the church and what can be done about it. So if you're one of those people that have left or maybe you're not Catholic at all, stick around for this episode. Maybe it will generate a conversation that may change your mind. Guys, good to be back in the studio with you all. Good morning, guys. Um, really, uh, really interesting topic. There's a lot of layers to it, so I'm I'm excited to get into some of this and see what uh, see what we can do to to help build the church back up. That's right. And I'm sure that you both have heard reasons why people left the Catholic Church. Most of our viewers and and our our audience have heard you know many people gripe about the Catholic Church, and you know I certainly as a priest I hear it all the time. So I I'm can't excited. Imagine. Yeah, it, it happens, you know, weekly. So I and and also people speaking historically that have come back, you know, they've been away from the church for this reason or that, and now they're coming back. So I'm interested to find out from your studies, Sheil, and and some of these statistics, you know, why people are leaving, you know, in, yeah. in different respects, and then also kind of gauge that to our own experience. And I would love for our audience as well to participate in our feeds, specifically on what you've heard as well. The more that we pool our resources and our experience, the more we could start pastorally reaching out to people and God willing, shepherd them back into the communion that Christ envisions for his church. Now, to preface this episode, it's not just the Catholic Church that people are leaving. Uh, people are leaving faith and, and faith traditions of all kinds. And people are the, the fastest growing spiritual belief are the nuns. The nuns. The nuns. But not the good kind of nuns. Not sweet little nuns with habits. Like in that picture up there on the wall. Wait, so. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> no. We do not have more of those. No, nuns mean people who claim to be spiritual but not religious, meaning they have oh, they're nuns. They don't belong to none. No yeah. affiliation. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and, and I can almost say here, sitting at this table, show of hands, who's left the Catholic Church? I have. I, I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. So, it wasn't for very long. I, I mean, didn't. it was you apostates. Yeah, you never, you never stepped away. But eight it, years. Not like it was a formal act yeah. or something I mean, like no, that. No, no, no. I mean, I was definitely not practicing. Yeah, I wasn't practicing from probably yeah. 17, like 16, 17. I checked out till 20. Yeah, now, about eight years. Now, here's a really interesting thing that you mentioned that, and that was the same experience for me. Um, you know, at 16 years old, you don't, you don't want, it's, it's, all people are rebellious at 16 years old. It's it's the way that most people find themselves. They just do. Um, you know, but I had my first daughter uh, at 23, and that kind of woke me up. I find that all the time with families that I minister to. Mm -hmm. They immediately come back. They get married. They, have their, they conceive their first child, and then they say... Father, I, I really want to get into That's my right. faith. How can I participate? I just had a conversation with a guy just this past week who who just moved from Nashville with his wife. They just got married. They built a home. She's pregnant, and and you know they want to get involved. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now let's look at some of the statistics behind people leaving the Catholic Church. Bill, like I said, people are leaving mainline Protestant Protestant 
Protestantism. You can do it. I can do it. <laughs> Congratulations. People are leaving the mainline prot churches very quickly as well. Oh. I mean, and those churches are fracturing, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about faith in general. We're talking very specifically for this episode about the Catholic church. In, Amer- in America? In, in America, but all around the world as well. Okay. 10% of Americans are former Catholics. 10% of all Americans are a former Catholic. I mean, there's 300 million people. That's 30 million souls that for some reason or another were not properly tended to and have left the unity of the church and the grace and of the, of the sacraments. That is a tragedy. 30 million people. When you think about the Reformation, which has been discussed in tens of thousands of books and historical panels and in colleges and universities, 5 million people split from the church at that time. Mm-hmm. In the last 50 years, 30 million Six times more Catholics than the Reformation have left the church in America alone. We are in a crisis. And if you people are not recognizing that this is a crisis of equal or greater magnitude to the Reformation or the schism, they are apathetic and they are not aware of what is going on. It is a dire situation. Yeah. And also, I do think there are people coming into the church, too, as well, like you were talking about. When I was in the seminary years ago, there weren't a lot of ministries run by lay people that were, you know, bringing people back to the church, bringing people to healing. Bringing, and now we look at it, especially with our company, Fuzati, it's, we serve, you know, ministries. That's we right. help them to use practices in marketing to help bring people into the church through their ministry. And I got to tell you, in the last 10 years, the growth of our company shows that there that this is possible number 1 but number 2 that there's hope yes that that there's hope that people are responding to calls to do this mm-hmm. they are and the the point that that you're making Ryan is such a, a valuable point both of you is is the fact that one we have to see the crisis mm-hmm. two we have to do something about it mm-hmm. and i've i've known what you both have been doing in your company for a while and it's absolutely impressive and I love working with you and, and creating the show. This is why we do this, this show. This is why we, yeah. Look, yeah. We make the, the same show. mindset. For those yeah. people who have left the church, we make this show for you. I mean, we make the show for the people, the 99 who've never left, but for those 1% who have left, well, or 10% as statistics say, which makes the job of the shepherd a lot harder to go find 10 lost sheep than it does to go find mm-hmm. one. But we make the show for you because, look, there's so many reasons, and most of those reasons are misunderstood reasons why you have probably left the church, and hopefully our show will help to reintroduce you to the church. Bridge bridge the gap. Yeah. yeah. When we present the substance of our faith, when we encounter Christ in the sacramental structure of his church, when we share the very living word of God that governs and animates the church, my brothers and sisters, like that is exactly what we need, we hunger for. And there's so many things that rightfully, they get in the way of that happening. And there's reasons why people leave the church for good reasons. There's no good reason for leaving the church, but there's for understandable understandable reasons. reasons. I understand why people in the situations they find themselves leave the church and they don't typically have the, the help, the catechesis, or the support that maybe we have around them. It's understandable, but there is no good reason to leave 
the church. The no, church is our, very, our safety in the that's storm. That's a very, very good point. And and just empathically, what I'm saying, I, I understand what you're is saying. There, you know, it's understandable why someone walked away because they were they were ridiculed and shamed by a priest or by a sacristan or somebody that took up leadership mm -hmm. in the church and they said something immensely judgmental or immensely uh, hurtful. And what do people do when they get hurt? Yeah. They recoil and they move away. Fight or flight. Yeah. Th this, this is not where I want. I want to be loved and I want to be supported. I want to yeah. be accepted. Yeah. And driving, driving words of love and driving the good news, uh, even for a priest, it's a challenging thing. Yeah. But all of us are called to go out and announce the gospel of the Lord. Yeah. All of us are called to proclaim that good news. And we are imperfect at communicating that. Yeah. But the point is, is that from the heart of the church, there is no good reason to leave because we do have the word that brings life. We have the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith that feeds us and animates us with the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. There is no good reason to walk away from that. There's no. And, uh, go ahead. So looking at some of the other statistics of, of, of people leaving the church— so of that 10% of Americans who are former Catholics, 49% of them become nuns. They no longer are affiliated with any religion. That's bad. 25% become um, evangelical, right? So they're going to a less structured form of Christianity that makes maybe less um, ritual demand on them. There's, there's actually a church in my, my hometown, our hometown, um, I go ahead. And and this this guy is a very dynamic preacher. You know, he he speaks very very uh, powerfully, and he he's very entertaining personality. But he has has he's been on this campaign of how people don't need ritual. I call those poacher churches. Every community has one that they basically set up. You have some pastor or preacher who sets up a church and just sits there and poaches off of. The Catholic churches, the people leaving them saying, mm -hmm. come to our church. We don't make any demands of you. We're just here to talk about scripture and love each other. There's no demands of you. Mm -hmm. And people in our day and age, they don't want any demands on themselves. Mm -hmm. There are our culture demands, absolute freedom of person. And our generation is anti-commitment. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, membership, <laughs> registration, you know, obligation, a sense of obligation that I have to go weekly. I, I, that's the worst thing in the world to most people. Mm -hmm. And well, that I, talks about our society. I, 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 it think, does. I think you, you, you had a point about this animation, number one, and I want to speak to that. The other thing is we do live in a membership driven world because you've got Amazon Prime. You've got all these memberships online. You've got all these things where people are consuming through memberships. They have a desire to be but, a part of something, but right? in those memberships, you're given something uh, without any demand besides money. Yeah, let me finish. Right, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just setting that up. Yep. Right, um, there is always a desire for us to be in a community. Mm -hmm. Right, it's why people get offended when they're you know told something and they go somewhere else. They don't go somewhere else and just kind of fall into la la land. They they do seek community with people. What you're talking about with animation is the thing that really drove me when I had my conversion. You. Everybody has very inherently a sense of finding meaning in their life, right? Having peace, being joyful, happy, right? We all have that, right? If we as a church are not explaining how this happens through the sacraments, mm -hmm. through this animation, 
then we're just devolving as an institution, right? Because, Absolutely. Because what you're doing now is you're, 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 you're taking something that is at its core who we are and you're, you're wholesaling it off into something that is just really like watered down. And so what I, what I say to people is like, you know, I talk about God. I'm like, I like if, if I didn't have the Eucharist in my life, I want to go to mass. The reason why I want to go to mass is because I do know what's going on there through the grace of God. Right. And then I share that with people like you, like you, like Howard, everybody else is like, this is where I get my strength. And then it shows in my life, whether it's perfect or imperfect, that I do have this lasting joy, even in in the midst of all this stuff that's going on, all these things that are thrown at me. I have a place to go back to. I have a solace where if you can look at yourself as a, you know, as God sees you, if you can see your sins, if you can see your struggles, if you can admit to those, if you can say to yourself, look, this is what's not right in my life. And you can take it to the altar and you can give it to Jesus. If you can give it to God, that's where the magic happens. That's where this animation happens. That's where God consoles the people that are in those pews. That's what we do there. Mm-hmm. Period. And that is membership, isn't it? It's, yeah. And and that's what I love about what you're saying. And when I look at my life and I think of who has inspired me most in like a Eucharistic conversion kind of a manner, because there's people that come to the Catholic Church for all different reasons. Mm-hmm. They have some type of conversion, an intellectual conversion, an experience in prayer, or you know they, they were really pastorally cared for by a priest or the Catholic Church when they were in a really rough spot. Mm-hmm. Bro, I, I'm not saying this just because we're on the on on the show and it, the bromance. Like, no, bro. Like, I I think for me, your Eucharistic conversion has inspired me, and it has been a lasting testimony from the first day that I met you way back when right. till now. And you do you live that Eucharist and you share it so beautifully with your wife and your kids, and yeah. and you you take up leadership as a father in that same respect, and you're yeah. animated by the Spirit, and that's the membership that. We're called to being members of the mystical body of Christ and being committed to him. You are rejecting the world and everything that it has to say about the world's going to sustain you. The world is going to stimulate you. The world is going to make you happy or put you back together again, or this is going to fix you. Uh No, like Jesus Christ, when we are a part of his dying body, we have the promise of the resurrection. And we feast upon that promise in the Holy Eucharist and the covenant of his blood. And that's why I love the catechesis of the whole sense of Jesus. When we receive him in Eucharist, we are receiving his resurrected body. The Paschal mystery is contained within this one celebration as Catholics. That ritual is so important. And it has been the very central reality that has held the church together through every situation up and down throughout history, sociologically and culturally. And we are looking at a period of time where there is a true crisis of catechesis. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what you're underlining for me listening to you, Delacrosse. It's an underlining problem, a crisis of catechesis. See, but here's the thing, and I agree with you guys completely, but the statistics typically don't. The statistics statistics say that people are not seeking community, that when they leave the Catholic Church or when they leave a mainline Protestant church, they are not joining another church. They are no longer affiliated and no longer belonging to any community. More than 50% of people who leave 
They're the belonging Catholic. to something, but it's not a, a religious community centered around faith. Uh, the mm-hmm. faith. That's, That's right. exactly right. 25% of Americans have no religious affiliation. That is the single largest religious block in the country. Yeah. It used to, Catholicism used to be the largest individual faith block in the country. Now it is people with no affiliation. Right. So what's happening, and you guys are right that people are seeking community, but they are no longer, no longer finding a sense of community centered around faith. Their communities now... And a lot of this is being driven by the way we communicate and the way that media and technology has influenced our lives. We no longer seek community personal or spiritual level or in a actual physical level. People seek community now through their affiliations in particular lines of thought or fandom. People are not interested in belonging to a faith anymore. And that is startling. But even that will at some point devolve because we were made for this. So if, if you have... Um, this exodus of people that go out, it is up to us to find out why they're going out, what this interaction is that is somewhat of a depravity, but what they're really truly seeking is how you communicate them back to the gospel. And I would say that when I started Fuzati, when God asked me to start this company to do marketing for the Catholic church, it was probably at its worst I've ever seen in terms of how we were presenting what it was that we did. It was bad. And and I remember having a conversation with God because I'm starting my family and I'm like, you know, I'm in the secular world. If this company were to be successful and I were through God's grace to be able to take care of my family, that that 90% of Catholics that don't understand this, we would have to be good at relating this message to them online and in these venues right. that are out there, which people are searching for things. They absolutely mm-hmm. are. So a few more statistics before we get into a, you know, a more general discussion on this is that 39% of young adults are classify themselves as none. When you look at 25% of the country, they could say they're none. 39% of young people who are the ages of 18 to 29 are, classify as none. Um, this one's crazy. Which shows, shows that there's growth. And it's accelerating. Yeah. 79% of former Catholics leave the church before the age of 23. Mm-hmm. And now we talked about that. All of us. I was one. I was and, one. But most of them are not coming back. Yeah. This is, now this is a terrifying statistic. 50% of many millennials raised Catholic no longer identifies Catholic today. Half of the babies who have been baptized in the last 30 years have abandoned the faith. That is, look, any bishops who watch the show or anybody who cares about the faith or anybody who has any influence, that number should set your world on fire. Like Notre Dame burning down. 50% of every child baptized in the last 30 years has left the faith. Look, I know our Lord, the Good Shepherd, went out after the one lost sheep and left the 99. But your job now is that there's 50 lost sheep. And they're everywhere. And you can't leave the 50 because they're going to get out the gates too. There is a massive crisis. And unless we, as a church, start to address this seriously and no longer rely on the stuff that we've been doing that does not work, and we start making some serious change and look at why people are leaving, what they're saying, 
what they are finding when they leave and what people are truly called for in their creation, this is going to continue to happen and it will be catastrophic for the faith. The wolves have scattered the sheep. Yeah. I call, I call that spiritual apathy. I think we're given so much, um, in prosperity, uh, of natural things and, I think when people wake up in the morning, if they're in a position of being a priest or in a ministry or even just a lay person who's like, you know, what can I do? Right. You find so much meaning in, in waking up in the morning and saying, how can I help you, God? How can I help you reach these people? And then him helping you identify what your gifts and your talents are and how he created you to do that, even in the most simplest forms, gives you so much meaning in your life. It does. So now you have this kind of this massive opportunity, but you also have this landscape for you to approach God at that altar in the sacraments, right? And go into confession and just making sure your slate's clean so you can hear him to find more meaning in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, what a, I can't imagine a better message to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, now you mentioned apathy, right? So in studies that break this down, um, where they, they, they reviewed the people who classified themselves as nuns, right? Or having no affiliation. 58% are classified as what is known rejectionists. Religion, and that is the position that religion is not personally important to me, and it does more harm than good. That mm-hmm. 58% reject faith out of hand. Mm-hmm. 22% are apathists, which means... Uh, apatheists, which means religion is not personally important, but it is generally helpful to society. But for me, it's not personally for me. So the rejectionists, you know, are the, the largest block are the largest block. And we have to attribute a lot of that to campaigning and marketing that has taken place and production that has taken place to devalue the Catholic Church Absolutely. over the past 40, 50 years. Yeah, without anybody standing up and saying, hey. And saying, hey, this is historically inaccurate. Right. But a lot of it's you, self-produced. You, and, oh, yeah. and, and it is. And, you know, look at our show on the Crusades. Right. You know, look at look at what we've covered historically with a historian. Right. You know, and you, you take that and you... And you put that in, in under the light of the History Channel's representation. No wonder our generation and the younger generations are saying, well, religion is the cause of every war. Mm. No, politics and, and ego Reli- and pride and economy. Evil. There evil. was a study. Less than 5% of every conflict in the history of humankind has been related to religion. And less than 2% were specifically religious wars. Mm-hmm. Everything else had... Mitigating factor where religion was a um, a window dressing for the greater issue of these wars. Less than two percent of wars look are at actually the religious. Look of the twentieth century, dude. We don't even have to look that far in the history books. Right. That was all of the bloodshed of the twentieth century was not based on a religious conflict. And, the, mm-hmm. and that's our that's our generation. We were born in the twentieth century, right? And the thing is, is we've gotten so far behind where we haven't cared about stepping out into the square to explain this. Yeah. And the world is becoming more and more sound bites. So if we were to even debate this with somebody. It's going to be soundbite after soundbite, hammer after hammer upside the head instead of, hey, let's sit down for a few hours and let's go through all this stuff because historically speaking, you're absolutely objectively wrong. And that's why this forum well, podcasting, yeah. that, and I completely agree, Delacross. That's why podcasting is the newest forum of conversations that are taking place longer than just a soundbite. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the younger generation is saying, 
we want conversations right. like this. And that's, absolutely. That's why, you know, Joe. 65% of our listeners are under the age of 45. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Hi. You know, hello there. Hi. <laughs> Hi, under 40 hey. people. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> now, a couple more things. So, they asked these nuns why they're leaving. 60% said, I stopped believing in the religion's teachings, which is just typically, I don't, you know. M most of that is hearsay. <laughs> most of it is. And, they, and it's not like they're looking at the catechism and seeing like the actual right. teaching and saying, I reject that. I remember when I was younger, huh. I, when I walked away from the church, I had preconceived notions of how I wanted to live my life and I don't want to be governed. I don't want to be there. You the, said it. I don't want to be governed. I don't want to be governed. Right. I, I want, I want my freedom to do whatever it is that I want. My philosophy of freedom was formed yeah. by the rebellious culture that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Our, our idea, our Western idea and concept of personal freedom is still a reverberation from the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, which are absolute distortions of human dignity and the human person, and they have rippled throughout Western society for 350 years in such a negative way. The Enlightenment were such a adverse and distorted view of the human person that was all about these, these liberties without the sense of responsibility and without the real pathological sense of what a person is. Yeah. And that is precisely why when I was reading the catechism and then I came across the teachings of St. John Paul II when he was still our pope and I came to see in memory and identity that he started speaking about human freedom and what freedom was and how he expressed freedom is not the ability to do whatever it is that you want to do. Right. Freedom is the ability to choose the good. Mm -hmm. and, and it is in that choice that mankind is set free. Mm -hmm. It's in choosing virtue. It's choosing commitment that then that is the product of freedom. And that's why when I when I started looking at what the church actually teaches, not basing it on ignorance or hearsay or a an emotional sentimental or the terrible position, catechesis that most of these Catholics have received. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. So what was my catechesis? It was mainly built upon by people who were not formed. That's that's and, exactly right. And desperate priests saying, "I've got to teach five hundred kids, six hundred kids." I need volunteers. The volunteers are upset, upset at the priest because the priest is informing them. You know, I'm uh, in the situation now. Yeah. You yep. know, it's it's a hard situation, but uh, we need to look at it. That's why we have Little Saint Adventures yeah. that, that you guys produced, you know. And it actually helps parents it with helps the kids. parents with yeah. their kids. And it's not just another app. It's an app that says, here's a way that your children can learn and then how you can have a conversation with, with them. them. So and we're actually helping you to form your kids. With the technology by getting help from people that are that professionally like understand this and know this is how you get the response. It's a technology that encourages you not to use technology that's at exactly a point, right? right? Yeah. And get pro, uh, the appropriate amount of technology. And that's precisely why we've been brainstorming, whiteboarding, and coming up with a plan of action for catechesis for our families, for our younger children, so right. that we can come up with solutions for pastors like myself, yeah. so that we can actually reach these kids, reach these families, provide them the 
structures and the resources for them to fulfill their baptismal vows and raising these children in the practice of the faith because the parents are the primary catechists. And what about our volunteers? They're catechists as well, but we're not providing the resources to them that are engaging for our kids. And then there's organizations that create RCI stuff and you just put in a DVD and you play it and then there's a book. And so there's this really good catechesis and then there's also the volunteer and then there's a sense of community and it's like everything can't just be on a dvd and you just it's the same type of parenting it's like here i don't know watch an ipad i'm out right it's great right it's great for people they're resources they're not meant to be the whole thing i i can't tell you well first of all in houston which which is where we are uh, in the two churches that i've been to here massive amounts of people are coming into the church massive uh, we have a few that work here that are coming into the church. I cannot tell Howard you. I cannot tell you how many people have said to me that the person teaching RCI, it's just such a. They make it so difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying like you know we have this systemic problem, but it is. Like it what, is. It is. It's like it's what you're p- saying. It's yeah. like what you're saying. It's it's like these. It's like having to sit through. Um, the DMV just to get into the church mm-hmm. and having to circumnavigate a lot of this impunity, mm-hmm. right? Of, of, and, and believe me, I understand pastors don't have time for a lot of different things, but if you look at catechesis and we look at it as like, you're learning the faith, let's look at this as like, it's a big old mountain, right? There's so much information that we have as a Catholic church to help you in your faith. And you mentioned people reading, you know, and coming to the Lord that way. And you mentioned, you know, other people coming to the Lord through service or some grace that happened to them in their life or Eucharistic conversion. However, I still think that whole mountain needs a structure of like, look, these are the things that you don't have to learn, but you, you do have to learn them, but incorporate this into your personal suffering, your personal issues, your anxiety, your pain. I mean, if, if it's not the Lord that we go to in this particular way, then we won't remain Catholic. It'll just be this series of rules and regulations that actually I wouldn't want to deal with, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I, I get why they're there. They're like bumpers, you know, when you're bowling, you know, if you're a kid. I get that. But the fact is, is if we teach people like they need to just learn that and somehow just stay in the lane, that's one thing. The other side of it is, it is that actually receiving Christ in now, your life and how to can, do that. If, if now, I could real quick. Yeah. Now hold the thought. Now, hold before, that thought. Now, before we get into that and then we get into some of the specifics reasons why people are mentioning why they're leaving. Why don't you tell some people about some other resources that can help them in their faith this, journey? This is a great segue. We are most grateful for our sponsors and I have to first start with Hallow. Hallow is the number one Catholic meditation and guided prayer application in the App Store today. Be sure to visit Hallow because when you do, you'll see all sorts of prayer and meditation guided efforts that they have put together in a beautiful and most attractive way. From Teze to Lexio Divina to Rosary and to Daily Gospel Reflections and so much more. This is a beautiful application that you should definitely have on your phone. And if you utilize this platform, you will truly be able to advance in not only your understanding of the Catholic tradition of prayer, but be able to cultivate that in your own practice uniquely to you. This number one Catholic meditation and prayer app is specifically out there for you to grow in your faith. We are so grateful for their work. We are so grateful for their sponsorship. And you should take a moment and check them out because they are truly at the very forefront of technological advancement and the new evangelization. So check out Hallow, 
Catholic Meditations and Prayer App today. We want to tell you about our sponsor, Exodus 90. Exodus 90 is 90 days of prayer and asceticism, cold showers and devout prayer moving through the book of Exodus so that men could find greater freedom in Christ. This program is a tremendous program that over 20,000 men have already gone through, and you should consider becoming the very next member in this very powerful movement. Please consider to join Exodus 90 now. Check them out. You will not regret it. Ave Maria University, our sponsor, is an institution of higher learning in the Catholic tradition, and one that is very, very dear to me, as I am an alumnus and a graduate of 2008 from the new campus. We were part of the first graduating class, and it is awesome to see how much Ave Maria University has grown and has become not only the youngest Catholic institution, but one of the most powerful, driven in academics and faith. It is a university that appeals to all. And we'd like you to consider becoming a student at Ave Maria University, or if you know someone that is of age that may be looking at colleges and universities around the country, be sure to tell them about Ave Maria. There are over 30 majors. There's programs undergrad as well as postgrad, all the way up to PhDs in theology. You do not want to miss a chance to attend this university. It is surrounded by the oratory, this beautiful church in the middle of Ave Maria town, just 30 miles away from Naples and the beautiful beaches. It's in Southwest Florida, so the weather is beautiful. But the greatest thing and the most beautiful thing about the university is the community. The community life is a place where young people find belonging and most importantly, encounter Christ in the beautiful tradition of the Catholic faith. So check out Ave Maria University today. You won't regret it. No, I thank you for that, Padre. Uh, definitely go check those resources out. There are people that we agree with are, that are doing things the right way, whether it's the way they're teaching or the way they're using technology. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of resources that we allow to represent us and that we represent because they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you had but, a thought. Yeah, dude, I, I, have to, I have to share this because it, this has been the reality of the Ecclesia Semper Reformandum Est. It's been... The reality now of that's the church, Latin for the church is always in reform. It's always in a state of reform, always. But how does the reform come about? It comes it comes about by the chrismation and the and the charismatic deposit of the spirit that moves a generation of lay and clergy and religious men and women to respond. And we're that we're that generation that's responding in this new renewal. And it's what Saint John Paul II was calling for before he died. And it's, it's entrusted to our community. And I thank God for lay organizations like yours. I thank God for Matthew Kelly's ministry. I thank God for Bishop Barron and everything that he's doing. I thank God for so many other people that are making every type of endeavor to, to start reaching people with the good news. Yeah, all, the, all, the, all our brothers and sisters out there who are podcasting, whether they're the type of show that we do, Thank you. You know, all the people who are running websites, if they're not the same kind, I mean, there's a lot of good people doing good things out there that are bringing the faith to people's, um, to their mind every day. And even if it's a low on a localized level or if it's something small or say you're in the seminary and you're just posting things online, just your testimony, your reflections, and all of that is helpful. This is the new evangelization. And we have a wonderful opportunity to seize the day, to seize this current period of time, and to motivate evangelists and courageous people to go out into the dark world wide web. And yeah, you'll experience a little bit of persecution. We get it every single week. Mm -hmm. You know, 
but it's worth it. It's worth it because God willing, it's touching some hearts and it's showing. But, but I wanted to bring up the 20th century. Look at St. Faustina, her diary, her materials on Divine Mercy Sunday, that feast day, the image of the Divine Mercy. All of that was wholeheartedly rejected. Yeah. And, and right now we have we have people that are producing materials that are engaging and it's being rejected by some offices and some dioceses around the country. The... And they, and, oh yeah, bro, and and oh, yeah. and they want to use this particular thing, and this person's been in this position oh. for however many years, and this is the only Good type of going into that you... a, a, a deanery or whatever, and and trying to get new materials, and they're like, nope, this is what I, we have a seven year contract with this, and it's the same boring. Yeah. And all they do is just they they put in new imagery, and it costs a heck of a lot of money, and then we just distribute it again. It's the same old practices. Mm-hmm. You know, new things have to happen. New things have to happen. And sometimes those new things need to be the old things that we used to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, too. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Like my um, my pastor brought in an altar rail. And I got to tell you, I I was there before the altar rail. And I've been there after the altar rail. And his liturgically minded, he's liturgically minded. And I, you know, I had no idea, like he didn't have to be this like big rambunctious guy who's like bringing people. It's just the beauty of the liturgy drawing everybody in. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen. And Mm -hmm. the devotion to the Eucharist has increased in our parish, all these things that he's Mm -hmm. done. It's, it's just, it's very basic stuff. You know, Pope Benedict always used to say the hermeneutic of continuity. And that's what we need. I love that. We've had a real rupture. You know, in the last 50 years, there's been a confluence of events that has made a perfect storm for people to leave the church. We have had a revolution in communications and technology. We have had a, a revolution, the sexual, sexual revolution. revolution. That's a big We've one. had a revolution in the way people view personal freedom. And then we've had the sex abuse crisis. Then we've had the squabbling over liturgy and tradition and over the governance of the church post-Vatican II. So that the church was not able to respond to this because we we're so busy looking inward and fighting. The Vatican II was supposed to open the doors up, but it, what it actually did is... Everyone started looking inwards. So all of those things together have made it to where the sheep have been scattered and no one's even paying attention that they're missing. Now, should we just go back to uh, Vatican One Church? That's not feasible. Should we stay on this course that we've been on the past 50 years? No, it's not working. What we need is a true synthesis of of using the best of the deposit of faith and tradition that the church has, and then looking at the real ways that we can utilize modern technology, modern thought, and modern uh, communications, and the modern person, and the understanding and the development of the understanding of the person in a real synthesis that infuses tradition and technology. Right. It has to well, happen. The, the other thing, too, is that if, if you are engaging in your faith and you're practicing, because this is what we do, we practice our faith. We, we don't understand it completely. And somehow and we're not living it out perfectly. We're not living it out perfectly. But do you look different with the people that are around you? Do, do, are you different? Do you live a different life? Are you salt of the earth? Is, is there something that somebody can look Good at job, you yeah. in your life yes. and say, I want she that. or he is different. I, exactly. I do. I want that. Yeah. And, and the sacraments are the animation that we have. And like, I go to confession like 20 times a year. You just know? went to confession like, with him 10 mm-hmm. minutes ago. Yeah. It's like, I, I go all the time. It's because, it's because I want to be that person that somebody can look at and say, they're living their lives different. Obviously having six kids is a definite. <laughs> yeah. 
but 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 uh, but did you do it with joy? I you do, do it with you know? joy, you do. and beautiful. I bring that joy to other people. And those other people think they get the joy from something else, and the, the one I bring to them is is it's divine, right? It's not my joy; it's the joy that God gives me that I want to share. I want to share it with somebody. I, it's, and it's, I don't have to share it like street evangelization. Yeah. I share it in my joy by listening to them and loving them. And how often have we been in a leisurely situation where we're just kind of hanging out and talking and next thing you know, it gets looped into a conversation with random strangers. Random strangers. And then mm-hmm. it just starts to immediately shift into, there's something different about you guys. Like, yep. And then it comes out, oh, I'm, I'm a priest. You run yeah. a, an organization yeah. that serves yeah. the Catholic Church and, and the Catholic message, and it's dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Like, all of this stuff, you know, is is very evident in people, and it makes people curious. Like, you know, what's yeah. your what's your deal, man? Like, yeah. why are you like... And it's true. You have to be the salt of the earth. And But I, I have to go back to what you were sharing, too, because when you were sharing, Shield, I had this image of we're on a pilgrimage. This life is is symbolized by pilgrimage. We're making a pilgrimage to our homeland. We're being shepherded, mm-hmm. God willing, by Jesus Christ and his word that governs and gives us a rule and an order of life to move us in that direction. But sometimes we've got to cross a hefty river. And when we're crossing a river with huge currents going through, we've got to figure out a, a way to get across to the other side. St. Teresa Lisieux said, the world's thy ship, not thy home. Exactly. So we're in this movement. We've got we've to be able to hold on to each other in community moving forward. So in that sense, yeah, I agree with you. We need an arm and a grasp on the tra- beautiful traditions of the Catholic faith that have been celebrated faithfully. <laughs> For centuries. Right. And we've got to reach forward in progress toward our eternal homeland. Absolutely. And we have had a break, and there's a lot of people flowing through the river. We have got to be able to save people and reestablish that ground to move forward. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of uh, things that we have right now in our society is we can get right now, like look at Amazon. The, the thing is, is that when you do live your life, like it's not like people come pouring into the church. You might be the only presence of God in somebody's life and they might see mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. in their consciousness later on and in their life and say, I remember that person. I remember they prayed. I remember, let me go try stable. this. I'm so done with this world. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'll try anything. I want to try this. I mm-hmm. think the best example that I try to give people through my faith and that has resonated with the people in my life and around me has been the stability that faith provides. It's, it's, it does not make life chaotic. Um, we live in a very stormy world and the church is the bark of St. Peter. It is St. Peter's ship and it is our refuge in this storm. And the stability that it provides and the peace and the assuredness that no matter what's going on and there's a constancy in your life that's, that is so needed by people. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Now, here's some reasons why people are leaving the church. And I think the first one that we just, we have to talk about is the sex abuse scandal. It is... Look, it has discredited and harmed the body of Christ in such a deep and grievous way that it needs to, number one, it can never happen again. It cannot keep happening. It needs to stop. And it needs to be accounted for. It needs to be atoned for. Mm -hmm. But 37% of Catholics, in a study by the Pew Research uh, Center, 37% of Catholics said they are considering leaving the church over the sex abuse scandal. 
And then how are they to these people who are considering leaving? How are they to be catechized by the very people who have been either committing or covering up the things that they're wanting to leave the church over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a master stroke of Satan and a terrifying um, abuse of trust. Mm-hmm. And look, man, you have your name. And once that name is ruined, it is hard to make it back. And the church has had its name dragged through the mud. And the evil one knows that. Absolutely. The evil one absolutely knows that. And, and th- I feel so bad for the priests who have dedicated their lives and, and who have never even come close or have been tempted or who have lived their lives um, faithfully. Celibately. Yeah. And, 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 then, and chastely. And then these perverts mm-hmm. and these monsters. Idiots. Just absolute monsters and demons to me yeah. have committed this. And it is such a grievous wound to the body of Christ. I, I just can't imagine the pain that our Lord's heart feels. And, over and to it. not and to not consider like the institution that we say and we believe as Catholics was instituted by Christ himself would not be attacked. If Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane is going to be tempted you better believe that his mystical body will be tempted mm. and that evil will come at it full force. You better believe yeah. it. And the world, especially post-sexual revolution, that that is precisely what ushered in the philosophy of our epitome of human experience. The greatest extent of our human experience is in sexual identity and sexual satisfaction, mm. that that is the ultimate experience of the human person that is completely a different message than what the church we, teaches. what the church teaches so of course the sexual revolution ushered in all of this sexual perversion and then th- we're experiencing the fruits of the sexual revolution right now with sexual crisis and and people fighting violently yeah. in this space and that's not what god wants yeah. god wants us to be one of one heart of one mind utunum sin but I have to share this story. I was in Piazza Navona. I was in formation, I believe it was 2010 or 11. And I was walking through the Piazza and they were, had this huge, um, you know, kind of sexual revolution uh, festival. And I didn't realize that I had to go through there to get to my, to where I was staying. And I had my full casagon collar on and I was walking through the Piazza this is a crazy story. And I saw this street performer that was performing for all of these people. And he was a comedian and he looked up and he, he caught eyes with me and I saw his eyes dilate, his pupils dilate. And he went into his little chest of, you know, props and he comes out and I'm closer now. And he had put on the devil's mask mm-hmm. and he came over to me and he, and he started gesturing in my direction. He was speaking in Italian, so I was only catching every other word, but he was talking about my sexuality and he's, he's criticizing celibacy essentially. And he goes and he grabs me in my private area. Mm. And <laughs> I may be collared and everything. Don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, Don't nah. do that to me. And I cocked back and I slammed his face with my hand and I ripped off his mask. Yeah. Threw it in the middle of Piazza Navona. There were thousands of people. Yeah. And I got close to his face and I looked at him in the eyes and he freaked out and he he ran away. Yeah. And I turned, I turned to the community and I'm like, and they all applauded. Good. Right. And the thing is, is evil 
wants to attack celibacy because celibacy is the state of life that says our life is more yeah. and chastity and chastity. Chastity, and chastity has to be with celibacy. celibacy. Correct. And celibacy does not need chastity, chastity but says they go together. They go together. And yeah. it's it's difficult, bro. Yeah. So this is not just for celibates. This is for married oh, men. It's, it's women. Chastity and, is for everybody. And single people. Chastity. Discipline of the flesh. St. Paul talks about it. But the flesh is at war. But do you hear how you sound to the people in the modern world? They're like, discipline of the flesh? Mm-hmm. Are you nuts? Yeah. Uh, I'm going on Tinder. I don't want discipline of the flesh. sexual revolution. Of course they don't. Uh, but, but guys, women, you, I'm telling you, if you think that that's what's going to make you happy, it's not. It's going to leave you And they already know empty. that. They already uh, know that. If you want more than being used for your body, which everyone does. There right. is more to it. Yep. Well, chastity, like you look at modesty too, and, and I, I teach my daughter modesty. I got a younger daughter. I can't teach her anything right now. But, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I was trying to teach her modesty, and I heard uh, Chris Everett say, I really appreciate it. He's a Chris great guy. Great. He's just a, yeah, he's he's just a wonderful human being. He's got a beautiful wife and family. Um, but but what, what is modesty? Modesty is not dressing down. Modest, what modesty does is it elevates the human body beyond sex mm-hmm. and, and, in doing so it draws people's attention to the mystery of the human mm-hmm. person, dignity, right? Yeah. The dignity of that human person. So, you know, you look at like wearing like a long dress that you can't see any, whatever this stuff is everywhere. You can buy this kind of stuff for your daughters, right? Like and tight clothes. Look at volleyball, mm-hmm. for example, like mm-hmm. the, the stuff these girls wear for volleyball. I'm just like, man, that is just. I don't, it's like hoochie mama stuff from back when we were like growing up. Mm-hmm. It is. It is hoochie no, mama stuff. No, do, yeah, do not argue fun. with me. Yeah. That is hoochie mama aware. <laughs> yeah. so look, but, 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 but listen, it's not just women who need chastity and modesty. Men need it too. No, 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 no. But, but what I'm saying is by, by wearing modest clothes, you, you, you don't take away from the person. You're actually taking something away that draws somebody beyond it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It, it draws somebody beyond that. It does. Into the human person. To where, where true beauty is. Yes. And it doesn't mean that our bodies are not beautiful. It, you but recognize when you, the person for but that. But when you look at it, I was having a conversation with Jen about this. Yeah. And, and it's like when you recognize that, hey, I'm going to get older. Mm-hmm. I am going to gain weight. My body's going to break down. I'm going to lose my hair and I'm ultimately going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? This is my human experience. Youth is fleeting. Youth is absolutely fleeting. So what is my value? Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many older people, their value is based in sex mm-hmm. because they were born in the sexual revolution. Yeah. Their whole value system. <clears throat> Father, I, and this, I get this stuff. Father, I, get, I can't have an erection anymore. I, I can't have sex with my wife. And it's really messing with me. Mm-hmm. Because your value is based is there, in your identity sexually, right. and that's your manhood, that you can do that. Well, now you can't do it anymore. Yeah. So what is your manhood? Yeah. Where, where are you basing your value? This is a problem of philosophy, mm-hmm. and it's also a problem of culture. And we wonder why we got to this point when all throughout the 60s and the 70s, this crap was happening. Then it blows up in the 90s and we have these horrendous crimes against humanity and children Mm -hmm. and these priests who we uphold morally that they are leading us have abused kids. Mm -hmm. Like we wonder how we got there. Mm -hmm. See, and here's the thing. Here's another reason why the sexual abuse scandal is so grave is that number one. The damage it did to children is irreparable, and it just the amount, 
it's it's a lot of unconscionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then in the midst of this sexual confusion that our culture is facing, where the lack of modesty is splitting a person between it's 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 splitting a person from their body and soul and making them two distinct things. Mm-hmm. But the church can't speak to that. But good luck telling somebody about modesty as a priest when they say, oh, modesty, right. why don't you go abuse a child? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. It, it, we have lost credibility on the subject, mm-hmm. so it compounds it. So the issue even, f- even though it's less than 1%. Right. Yeah. It is. Even though it's less it's than 1%. It's less than parents. It's well, less than teachers. It's less than coaches. Family members, it's, coaches, but, but all that. We said this on another episode. That it, it's not the it's not the the weight of this sin in our church. It's our church's ability to draw people into what the church is offering, and it's it, it's this tremendous meaning in our lives that we need to be sharing with the world right. through the Eucharist, through our sacraments. These are the things that we do to change this culture that we hate so much. Instead mm-hmm. of rejecting all of it, and then where do you go from there? You go away from all of these mm-hmm. things that can right. provide mm-hmm. all this meaning. And, 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 and guys, as a priest, I deal with this every every single day, and it is thoroughly painful. Yeah. And and Pope Benedict and I believe Cardinal Sarah, they have a recent book that came out and and um, kind of mention mention something along those lines of you know the priesthood that is today is in a serious situation of great pain and great crisis. And, and it's true. You know, I know in the Amazon Synod, they're, they're talking about married clergy. We've talked about it in a previous yeah, episode. By the time this video comes out, who knows what that document releases? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what that's going to look like? But the thing is, is uh, celibacy is such an important state of life because it communicates so much. And I have cried. Yeah. I have been angry. I have, I have dealt with it in my mouth. Ma- I used to be a youth minister. I, I feel like I've got to be careful about this. Kids coming up, they're trying to hug me. How am I going to turn? How am I, you know, people are looking at me and it's like I'm being qualified all the time. People are writing comments all the but time. That's the reality feeds. of where the church is that's at That's where right it now. is right now. And I could sit here and I could go through my emotional that's, ups and downs. You are I've got to be constructive. Cr- you yeah. are carrying the cross of all those children who were abused. Because that burden is on Christ's cross. Those sins are on the cross. And you are carrying that on behalf of the priests who wouldn't, who right. perpetrated those crimes. Right. So as you go through your priesthood and your ministry with that extra burden, you are helping to atone for the sins and helping to bring healing to the people who were abused. So but let, thank me, you. Keep but doing let me but let me say this. I can't do it alone. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't do it alone. The priests in your parish cannot do it alone. And we have to do this together. Like we really have to come together and move this forward. Mm-hmm. We need each other. If Jesus Christ, who has the full capacity of carrying his cross up that mountain to be crucified, allows in his permissive mercy to have Veronica the holy women of Jerusalem, Simon the Cyrenian, all participate in the action of salvation and help Jesus in his humanity up that mountain. Right now, I'm telling you, I need, I need help. Yeah. Dude, that's, look at that. I, well, I, that was awesome. Yeah, I need help. That was it's true. Wow, really and, well said. And you mentioned that because of our friendship and we go way back from yeah, seminary days and stuff like that. And it's like, when we hang out with each other, like we're not hang it's it's not like hey we're hanging out it's idle talk it's like looking at the world and somehow just finding some gratification in it that we share together it is literally like a bond that we have in yeah, our man. faith 
and he's crying because of it right now. <laughs> Jeez, you emotional. I'm attacked. Hey, can I get some tissues? No, no, man. I mean, it's no, true, though, man. Bro, I like it. it's true, man. I love it. I love yeah. it. I appreciate but, it. But, but and, and another thing, too, that we mentioned is that we are... We share in the. You're quiet too, but I see. No, I just, not. You're not like me. No, I get not. like the Italian oil from. Oh, is it the oil on your Okay, it got in your eyes. It got in your eyes. So no, like we we've talked about this too. It's like uh, we all have to share in our victimization, mm. right? Like you have to share that. I mean, look, I, I love to get happy and hang martyrdom. out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, martyrdom. Yeah. You're not crying too, are you? No. Okay, good. Uh, he's Slavic. He better not be. Then we're in really trouble. That means people are crying out there. Oh, we just need some digits for everybody. Digital yeah. digits. No, so we, we all have to, and, and this goes back to the gratification of that culture, right? The gratification of that culture that they're gratified by using their will however they want. Mm -hmm. They're gratified by pushing away authority. They're gratified together in community that they can live sexually however they want, right? So there is the thing that's missing there is the victimization mm. of the culture that's mm -hmm. imposing all this stuff on them, right? How so? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, we share we share in the we share in the victim of 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 Christ. Like mm -hmm. we unite our uh, every day in mass, if I go to mass, I'm uniting all the things that are victimizing in me in my world and personally engaging in a, in a unitive way with Christ at the altar. And others that are going and through the same thing. Too, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But, but, what, but what I'm saying is... You're facilitating that right now by talking about it. Right. Because other people are connecting to of them. Of course. We're all victims. Whether it's a victim of abuse from somebody in our family, verbal abuse from our boyfriends, however you want to... We all have, we are victims. We should not parade that victimization in anger and retribution. Yes, yes. We parade that to the, the altar. God gives us the grace to renew the world and through that. Yes, he makes good out of he evil. Like he, of he draws it out. Right. And and that's that's phenomenal point. Yeah. And Fulton Sheen in the, his book, A Priest is Not His Own. Yeah. He talks about the victimization. Like, you know, when you're in the seminary, are you looking at, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a priest? Though. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be in a com. I'm going to have, you know, live a bachelor. No. You are embracing the victimhood of Christ right. when you're stepping into this into this and that culture, vocation. That culture never did that, or the people that caused all this harm. They literally flipped that on its head, and it was, what kind of gratification can I get from my identity as a yes. priesthood in my community? And eventually, where does that go? It and, goes to harming other people. And that was systemic Even, of the entire culture of the world. Right. And that's and that's what it was embedded, you know, mm -hmm. after the, in the 50s, into the 60s, yeah. certainly, in yeah. the 70s. You know, I, you bring up victimization, and it's such a unique way that the Catholic Church teaches about victimization. Our culture is obsessed with victimization. Yeah. Cancel culture every or there's yeah. always someone being wronged and they're always a victim mm -hmm. and everyone it's it's being victimized is almost celebrated because now it excuses or justifies your behavior if you it's behave right. poorly and that's not to downplay that there's there's people who really have deep wounds both physical psychological and spiritual mm -hmm. but victimization is celebrated in our society and it's meant to be excused but no one talks about how to use truly it. heal and use Bingo. victimization. Bingo. It's to be to unify with to others and to heal with each other and to allow God to use our wounds that we accept 
and use those as an opportunity to heal others who have wounds bigger than our but, own. But, but, but we're not doing the healing, and that's the important point yes. here. You, you yes. have to unite that exactly. victimization with the victimization of what we do every Sunday, every day in that church. You have to bring that victimhood to him and unite it with him in grace for him to change the world through you, mm-hmm. not for you to change the world. Because yes. if yes. you go try to change the world, you're going to be wagging fingers at people and you're going to be like causing more harm. Yep. Mm-hmm. More destruction than That's good. It. And and when you think about the infinite cycle of this culture, of it's insane. It's going to continue to circle around and we're going to produce more and more and more victims, no matter what establishment you stand on, until... You turn to the establishment that Christ founded because there he is the you find victim. healing. He is the perfect victim that has then risen from his victimhood to new life. And that's what we focus on. And the reason why we have catharsis or why I have catharsis when I could be with you guys and we could talk, we could share, we celebrate mass together. And, and we share in our victimhood and our community in Christ when two or more are gathered in his name. It creates a sense of catharsis. Mm-hmm. It gives you a sense of renewal and a recommitment. We need recommitment in the Catholic Church. Yeah, absolutely. We need a recommitment to the establishment of Christ and that he does have the authority and the power to heal us of our wounds and our infirmities, no to heal how, us of our sickness. No matter how big they are. And establish a oneness. Yeah. If it's, if it's a, a small wound or a great wound, suffering is suffering, and we are all suffering. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Christ gives us consolation by the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and gives us that sense of, hey, this could be a catalyst to greater good. Right. Yeah, I'm going through evil. That is the very example of our religion. Our Savior was the perfect victim. He was crucified by all worldly accounts. He failed his mission. Yep. By all the expectations of what a Messiah would be, he was a dramatic public failure who ended up Naked, crucified, bleeding to death on a cross. Abandoned. Abandoned. Everyone left him. That's This you. is you. <laughs> Everyone. He is the perfect victim. All that yeah. you went through, all of your struggles, all the things that legitimately happened to you and are going to happen to you. And how many times have we heard people step in when you're going through something really, really hard? Oh, I, I went through, I went through that before. You, you'll be, you know, you'll get oh, over it. You'll get over it. It's not a big, it's not a big deal. Or you know, like they say something that just blanket statement, and it's like, no, you, you don't know what I'm going right. through. Yeah. But you, Jesus does. But Jesus but, does. And, and at the center of all this is okay. Here we're talking about the the juncture of movement in a, a human soul towards uniting that victimhood, especially in the mass. At the center of that, you have this grace of faith that if you don't have it right now, you ask for it. That's right. Because God gives you graces that you ask for. And if you really want this faith, you ask for it. That's a really good point, though, Delacrosse, because faith is a gift. And that that's something theologically that we believe as, as Catholics. It's something that is given to us. And that's something that we need to petition God for. And when we have it, when we're given that gift of faith, we clearly have a sense of communion with Christ in our suffering, in our victimhood. And that gives us a sense of solidarity. That's why they say there is no, um, you know, atheists in foxholes. Mm. And, and you see the bond and the band of brothers that is forged in war, war 
torn fields mm-hmm. of bloodshed, that, that is a bond that is unbreakable. Well, <laughs> Jesus shed his blood and in our own victimhood, whatever we have shed in this world, it is meaningless. Yeah. It is meaningless unless it's paired to the cross of Jesus Christ. Hey, look, if there is no God and there is no religion and Jesus Christ didn't die for our sins and when we die, we just go in the ground, your suffering doesn't mean anything anyway. doesn't. It has yeah. no meaning. It, it may hurt. It's temporary. But all that is is electrical impulses in a Brain. animated meat bag. That's all you are if there's no God. I'm and, sorry. And it's, it relates it's the to the scripture. Somebody's called me a meat bag. <laughs> that <laughs> might be, be your the last. <laughs> But it's the whole sense of the scripture, you know, what value is there if you do good to those who do good to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you respond in your victimhood, if you respond in your suffering and oh. you continue to choose the other, you continue to pair your sufferings with Christ and not allow your suffering or your victimhood to qualify and define your life. And you could do more with that. That's precisely you know, where the value is. You said something so important there. And I think this is, stick with me on this. Another big reason people left the faith is because of how politicized it has been. It has been used as a tool for the religious right and the evangelical congressman and blah, blah, blah. And they've used it as a focus group tool to get votes or to get this movie banned or whatever. And they've wielded Christianity as a implement and not as a real experience. And they have forgotten. And that type of American crass religion has destroyed the credibility that people have in faith because ultimately Jesus Christ is not about protesting if two women kiss in a commercial on the Hallmark Channel. It's just, look, guys. That's such a good point. It's not. Jesus Christ came to save everyone, and he is so much more than this country club community that people can just have and use him when he's useful. It is transformative. He is so much more than that, and it has been cheapened. The message of Christianity has been so cheapened by the way that politics has used Religion, it has destroyed con- Phenomenal con- point. You know? Phenomenal point. And when you're saying that, I got the image of a chessboard. Mm-hmm. And we put God in a box. We put Jesus in a box. We put Catholicism in a box. We put our own parish and our local community, our own diocese in a box. Mm-hmm. You don't do that to God. No. God is so much bigger than that. The person of Jesus Christ is not another chip on your board or another piece on your chest look match. At how re- look at how politics have used religion. They have made it to where if you believe in taking care of an immigrant, you are just a gross lefty. Or if you believe in upholding family ba- values, you are an oppressive righty. It's a pretty small box. But that's, that's a terribly small dude, box. Dude, religion is so much bigger we're, than that. Where Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Logos, like that created all things. Right. <laughs> and they've made it to focus groups and to voting blocks. Yeah, in a partisan manner. Why that's do you great think young point. people are like, dude, I can, I'm not following these people who claim that they are great leading the faith. Point. It's like the teacher in Peanuts. Of course it is. You talk about talking. About it, and then it goes over in their head. Like, dude, I'm sick of this. Look, to say that taking care of an immigrant or taking care of having compassion towards a transgender person makes you a bad Christian, you're wrong. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. God commands it of us. To say that um, 
wanting to have ethical um, communications and media for children or to be opposed to abortion makes you an oppressive, intolerant, rightist, fascist. You're wrong. It doesn't. It's what God demands. We have been split, and that split has perpetuated itself, and the people who have created that split have used religion as a tool, and it has turned people off of faith. Mm -hmm. And it's turned us against each other. And that's the that's the. I mean, even our own church. I mean, look. I mean, sometimes I want to take a, (laughs) I want to take a golden apple, and I want to get Michael Voris, and I want to get um, what's a Father James Martin. Father James Martin, roll it down the hallway and say to the most to the most holy of all, and see who wins the fight. Right? There's no reason for all these these camps. It's Mm -hmm. it's absurd, Mm -hmm. and they're both trying their best. I get that, Mm -hmm. but. That sort of division needs to stop because people see that. Look, you can't even keep yourselves together. How are you supposed to tell us what to do? So mm-hmm. we have sex abuse and then we have politics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you have just number one. And we also talk bad catechesis. Right? Yeah. The crisis right. of catechesis. And an example of parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, those three reasons together. Look, if you can't see that those three have it, caused a and, confluence. And, and, and you if know, it hasn't made you a victim. Right. Yeah. Because and, and that's what that's what that does. And this is this is an area that I I want to bring out too because parenting is a big is a big deal. I have a number of parents that just drop their kids off at CCF just so that they could receive their sacraments, but they don't come to Sunday mass. That's mm-hmm. like, that's in every parish throughout the country throughout the world. One, two, mixed religion marriages where you have one person that's one denomination, another person that's another denomination, or an atheist marries a Catholic. And yeah, they they have the initial discussion. We'll raise the kids Catholic. We want to get married in the Catholic church. Okay. You know, willy nilly, we do that as, you know, we get dispensation from the tribunal. We get dispensation from the bishop. This is a mixed religion marriage. This is an, you know, a, a disparity of cult marriage. But, you know what one of the leading causes of divorce is? Different yeah. religions. Sex, Marriage? definitely. Finance, definitely. Religion. Religion. Yeah. And we don't want to talk about it, but that's exactly the problem. So when you're raising children and mommy doesn't go to church or daddy doesn't go to church and daddy or mommy are, is making me go to church, well, I don't want to go. Then there's conflict in the house and it repeats every single week and wow. it divides husband and wife. I see it over and over again. If the husband and wife are not unified on that, where they're working together as a true union, a partnership to instill in their children these values, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to have one of them apathetic and the other care. I mean, if you're apathetic towards your children's soul, what kind of parent are you? Come on, you got to do better than that. I've got a Jewish brother that comes to mass every single week because his wife's Catholic mm-hmm. and they've, they've been consistently in that practice for years. They've raised the kids that way and right. he's getting into it. We have a nice friendship that we're developing, but you know, but he cares that, enough. He cares enough right. that you need to cover that in your marriage prep. Priests need to cover that with your mm-hmm. couples that you're, that you're doing marriage prep for. Look, if you're going to, and also here's another thing that drives me crazy. If you are able to drive your kid to six volleyball practices a week and then drive the other ones to hockey and then these ones to baseball, and then you're also able to take them to school and you're also able to take them out sh- shopping. You could take them to church. You can do it. <laughs> and, and you guess can what? do it. And this comes from personal testimony. I can't play a lick of any type of contact sports anymore because my body's destroyed. Church, 
my mom brought me to CCD. She got me confirmed. She got me first Holy Communion. That's going to stay with me for the rest right. of my life and actually help me. Your child is not going to be the next... Um, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. Vince Carter. Nadia Comaneci or Tiger <laughs> Who Woods. Who is Nadia Comaneci? What <laughs> gymnast. Oh, okay. One of the best gymnasts. Right. Oh, really? So you're... Look. Chances are your child is not going to be a famous athlete, but you're willing to drive them all over to get and to spend sports. all sorts of money for but it. Chances are your child is going to have an entire life where they are going to have to have questions of morality and faith, and they're going to need something to ground them and guide them the rest of their I've lives. I've got to say, I've got to say, to church. I've got to say something too, and I see this during uh, NFL football season. I see a drop in attendance when the Sunday home game is in town. I see it. They just don't go at all. They just don't go to church. Good luck having Roger Goodell save your soul. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Can't even say. That's that's just serious. Like, do you tell them? Like, I do. Hey, okay, yeah. Like no, I do. A, a serious drop in attendance. Yeah. And, 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 and but see, but, but why do people? Why would someone value entertainment over faith if they haven't been? It's because they haven't been catechized. It's, it's fun. There's no people. I, I go to games. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's awesome. But but this is another reason why people are saying I'm leaving the Catholic Church, and I haven't it's heard not it important yet. to you. The preaching is terrible. The yes. music is terrible. Yes. The environment's terrible. Yes. I, surrounded by uh, hypocrites. Yes. You know, people people are very hypocritical. They go to church and then they get in the parking lot and then they flip me off. And I don't want to participate in a community like that. I don't want to belong to a community like that. You know, it, it's it's a vile group of people, a group of sinners, and I find no type of refuge or consolation or pairing my victimhood. That doesn't happen at, right. at, at church. I don't even feel like I connect. I can't even understand the priest because he lives he's he's from a foreign land and he's here and i don't understand what he's saying i hear all of these things constantly that these are the these are the reasons why people are leaving church now there's one last thing i want to talk about so percentage wise at what point in the history of the church did the largest percentage of the church leave good friday everyone left the church yep they all left only mary and the, the women of Jerusalem and St. John had stayed. Everybody left. Um, so using that as an example. Simeon stayed. So, so how do we look at that and draw from that a solution to what we're going through? Well, after the resurrection, just look at the, uh, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They had left the church. They were actively with their physicality leaving the church. They were leaving Jerusalem, going to Emmaus. They are an example of people who had their faith destroyed, um, um, disenfranchised. They were afraid. They had left the faith. How did our Lord respond in that instance? He walked with them. He didn't tell them they were bad for leaving. He explained to them with catechesis the whole history of salvation from Moses all the way up to his own time. He went with them the extra mile and stayed with them when they were saying it's time to leave and he was going to go off, but he went with them to eat. And then in breaking of the bread in the Eucharist, they recognized him. Their eyes were open. Their eyes were open. So he accompanied them, catechized them, stayed with them, had persistence and gave them the sacraments. Our Lord gave the example on what to do when people leave the church. That was one of the first things he did because he knew people were going to leave the church. One of the first things he did after his resurrection was show us how to 
go after these people who have left. Everything and, is teaching is too hard. You got the rich man that left, the people right. who left in John 666 when he talked about the Eucharist that left. Yeah. I mean, like all this stuff is all... It's who we are as a faith community. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that people don't understand that. And it's just, yeah, we become just a natural institution. And if you're sitting there thinking that the priest has to figure all of this out and the priest has to walk the extra mile, guess what? We can't walk the extra mile with every single person in our parish. It is impossible. Mm -hmm. I have been but, but walking. But that's not even what the church demands. It's not. You but, are the church that's too. What, that is what the church expresses mm -hmm. they're frustrated that there's not enough priests there's yeah. not enough priests that are walking with them there's no presence of religious sisters anymore in my church or in my community and they're not walking with us you know it's it's a, we have a smaller group now and we have a big challenge on our hands i can only do so much as a single priest but if we take up responsibility collectively and we start creating the environment, guess what? If you're forming relationships with people and you're an usher and you're saying, hey, Ryan, how you doing? Right. And you're developing a relationship with somebody, not just handing out a bulletin apathetically and then walking away. We have intentional needs Look, in our community. The janitor at the school I grew up in. You know, we're kids. We're terrible. We like make songs about him and act jerky towards him and drop stuff and watch him pick it up. Oh, he's a dumb janitor. You know, I'm 10 years old and I'm you just like, all that stuff. of course, you I was a horrible, human tor being. terrible little kid, <laughs> just like every other terrible little kid. But then, you know, as my life goes on, okay, well, I'm 15. He's still there. He's taking care of the church, making sure the lights are on, making sure the chairs are set up. And when I'm 20, he's still there. And he kicks your ass. And then when he's 30, <laughs> he's still there. And he's retired and can't do that stuff, but he still goes to Mass and puts out the books. This man had lived a life of quiet service. And I, I swear, as I got older, I started to look at this man and I said, that's an example that is incredibly inspiring. This, look, he's just there. And he's taking responsibility and he's giving service. And I just felt like such a terrible person for not having recognized it, but having that example of constancy and of service perseverance and yeah. for decades was, I was like, it blew me away when I realized that, that it doesn't need to be the priest, the janitor at my church and his silent service was as big of a message about my faith than, than most priests I've ever met. Big shout out to Carlo Tempesta. God rest your soul, Carlo. He was my substitute teacher in high school. And whenever you had a substitute in class, I you mean, were you were, oh boy. I never did that. I, <laughs> that was the only thing you never did. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many referrals I received down to the dean's office signed by his name. And the funny thing, God is very poetic and humorous. Carlo came back into my life when I went back to Santa Maria del Mar and I started doing ministry there. He was a fourth degree Knight of Columbus, but I still recalled, you know, like he was very, he had discipline and he, and he spoke about God, even in a public school setting. It guy was, guy was bold. Right. Yeah. And he and I developed such a beautiful relationship when I started getting involved, I became a fourth degree knight in his honor and he died. And then I took his wife to the, the uh -huh. to the dance at the parish. We won the dance and, you know, Mary Tempesta, she's still alive. God bless her. She's like well into her late eighties now. Um, but they have that kind of that, example. That imp impact was very, very big in my life. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot, lot of reasons why people leave the church, but there's hope. And look, if there's anybody out there who's left the church or considering leaving the church or having doubts, 
send us a message. We'll try to answer as many as we can. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do everything that we can to try to talk to you. But if you if if we can't respond to you, and we will try, find someone who will. Yeah, Look, and there's I'll, people on our feed too yeah. that are super charitable and are well grounded Catholics. And you know, this is the forum in our in our. Uh, that's why you know we just want to ask all the audience to to be sure to be on our Twitter feed, our Facebook feed, our, you know, our Instagram feed. You know, I don't get to have a lot of time to put into it, but. You know, I do view what people are saying to each other, and there's a lot of really good dialogues that yeah. are happening. And we go on there and we respond as much as we can. As best as we yeah. can. Yeah. So, look, if you're struggling, if you've left and you're thinking about coming home, talk to us, talk to someone, do it because I'm just telling you, this world, <laughs> look, the only thing that we have to hold on to this world is the cross and the, and the church that Christ founded and the communion with him through the sacraments. Look, this world's a hard place, and it's understandable why people leave sometimes, but come home. So seriously, if you're out there and you, you, you're you finding yourself in this spot, you've been away from the church for a long time, and you're looking for that help and that community, give a call over to your parish. You can reach out to us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, We're here to help as well, as best as we can, but really, it comes down to your local community as well, so reach out. You know, Christ wants to establish connections for you right in your hometown. That localized church is the most important thing, and they need you and your willing participation in that. Mm. My brothers and sisters, we love doing this show. We hope that it's a big help for you. If you want to support us, please go to patreon.com forward slash the Catholic talk show. You'll find ways that you could support us and we'll send you some cool memorabilia. But ultimately, we're asking for your prayers as well as we move forward as a show. Prayerfully, we are united in Christ. We are united in our victimhood. And when we lay that at the altar together, Christ forges a beautiful bond. And we're going to be able to get through everything that we face as a church for Christ is victorious and we participate in his victory when we pair our victimhood to his and he lifts us up in heart and truth. All right, guys. Great. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Mm